If you've got a Bible, uh, which I hope you do, get to the book of Philippians. We're going to be in Philippians 1 today, uh, in chapter 1 there in Philippians. So, Happy New Year, church family. I'm thankful to be alongside you here as we begin a new year together, walking by faith, independence upon the Lord. As a new year begins, I want to spend uh, three Sundays looking at three different prayers found in the New Testament. Here we'll be in Philippians 1, then we'll be in 2 Corinthians, and then uh, 2 Thessalonians in the final week. But we want to see the, uh, we want to allow the Word of God to call us to prayer in the year ahead to, to kind of lead us, to teach us how to pray. We are a people dependent on the Spirit, and because we are dependent on the Spirit, we pursue a prayerful way of life, prayerful at all times and in all areas of life and all seasons. Something I would argue that most of us, if not all of us, struggle with is this idea of self-reliance. Like we only need the Lord to save us from hell and bring us to heaven, but the rest of life, like work, money, relationships, marriage, parenting, how to be a neighbor, all the rest of life, we'll handle that on our own. Like, Lord, thanks for saving us, but we'll take it from here. It's absurd. The essence of the gospel is that apart from the grace of God and Him saving us, we were lost and helpless. And by the grace of God, He has saved us, given us the Holy Spirit who then empowers our lives so that we would glorify Him in however long the Lord has us here. We are to be dependent upon and be led by the Spirit of God in all of life. One way we express that dependence is through a prayerfulness, talking to our Father who is not far off but near and who is altogether good, wising, wise, loving, and true. Crosspoint, I want to see us, me included, grow in prayerfulness this month and this year. Prayerful toward the Lord and with one another. And I, the, the, I want to see the Word of God lead us in that way to teach us how to pray. And so we're going to be looking at Philippians 1 today. If you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, we need to keep growing up into Jesus in the year ahead. That's the big idea from Philippians 1, that we would be praying for spiritual growth to take place in our lives. A year from now, we should reflect back on the past year and say, I've made progress in the faith by the grace of God. The people we live with, work with, do life with in January 23 should be able to say, I see Jesus in you. I see your inward faith in Christ actually changing how you live. I see, it how, it, I see how it's changing how you work and how you live and how you relate to others. I see your repentance. I see your faith walking. I see your peace and your faithfulness and your patience. I see you choosing to die to self and instead live for the one who has saved you. And the, Paul, and the prayer that Paul writes here will help us know how to and why we are to pray for one another with this end goal of growing up into Jesus and making progress. So verses 1 and 2 in the CSB translation, Paul and Timothy Servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He addresses the church as saints in Christ Jesus. Saints, meaning holy ones. Once they were unholy, but now, because of their faith in Christ and His work on the cross, they are holy. Because notice that it's saints in Christ Jesus. That's the key. 
It's Christ alone who makes us holy. Their sin has been cleansed and covered. They've been justified, made right before God. And grace and peace are not the equivalent of of simple greetings here. Paul is beginning the letter with reminding the Philippian church of their identity in Jesus Christ and what Jesus has done for them and how the gospel has made Paul and this church partners. The grace of God has brought them together. The grace of God has has made them holy, covered their sin. The grace of God has made them saints. The death of Christ has satisfied the wrath of God towards sin. And so where once there was hostility between them and the Lord, now the gospel has brought peace. Church, be reminded, when you're in Christ, if you're trusting in Him for your salvation, following Him as Lord, if you're resting in what He has already done for you, you're holy in His eyes. A saint set apart for His purposes. You're at peace with God. And you've been extended grace, and that grace doesn't run out. It is sufficient as you spend the rest of your life, your earthly life, growing up into Christ's likeness. And the grace of God is not a license to continue in sin because that's not who we are anymore. We're holy in His eyes. We're saints. His grace is fuel then to, for us to continue to trust in and obey the Lord Jesus in all of our lives. Paul now moves to this joy-filled thanks section for this church, verses 3-8. through I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. When he thinks of this church, he thanks God for them. And he prays with joy for them. And I see two reasons that he is praying with joy. One is that the Lord has made them partners in the gospel. Two, the second thing, is is how the Lord has not only started a work in them, but he is faithful to finish it. First of all, the the Lord has made them partners in the gospel. The idea in the Greek here of the idea of of the word partner is is the theme of working together for the advance of the gospel. The Philippians supported Paul financially and relationally, prayerfully, and they have done so, as Paul says in verse 5, from the first day until now. So that's 11 years. Paul's writing back to this church that was planted 11 years prior. And so for 11 plus years, they've stood with him, walked with him. He says in verse 7, they are partners with him in grace, even while he is in prison. Now in that day, Paul being in prison would have been publicly shameful. It would have been easy to fall into this mindset of the church kind of stepping away or disconnecting from Paul during his imprisonment because there would have been public shame with that. But, but the Philippians didn't do that. They, they stood with him. Because, as he says in verse 7, they're partners with him in grace. Paul is a receiver of grace. The Philippians are receivers of God's grace. There's a mutuality, a togetherness. So when one member suffers, they all feel that suffering. When, When one member rejoices, they all rejoice. And because they're partners in grace in the gospel, Paul says in verse 8, how deeply I miss 
all of you with the affection of Christ. This is not superficiality. This is not flattery. This is not the polite thing to say. This is reflective of, of this truth that they're family now in Christ. Where once they were divided, now they're unified. Where once they were separated, now they're together. That truth should shape life and relationships within the church. Our desire to love one another in the same way that Jesus first loved us. This should be how the church loves one another, relates to one another, is out of a Christ-like first loving us. Crosspoint in Christ, we are partners in the church by grace alone. So we should, should not follow the patterns of this world that, that split and divide over earthly reasons. In the years ahead, we're going to continue to reject those patterns and instead pursue, as Philippians calls us to, humility and gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, knowing we are united with one another in the experience and the work of the gospel because, because we're God's people. This is our identity now. This life is so temporary, so quick. So may the truth that we are partners in the gospel lead us to a prayerfulness with one another. The second reason here that Paul talks about that is leading him to joy is that the Lord has not only started a work in this church, but He is faithful to continue it and finish it. That's a great truth for us to be considered, considering and be reminded of as a new year begins. I enter this year with some things on my heart and mind that I'm praying the Lord will grow me in frustrations and struggles I'm, I'm hitting up against, and you do as well. So, so be encouraged. Take heart. The faithful Lord is at work. Paul saw the work began 11 years prior in Acts 16. Paul saw some of the church members come to faith in Christ. He's heard updates on the church, and here is what Paul knows about the Lord. He sees it in the testimony of the Old Testament Scriptures. He sees it in the testimony of the church, in his own life, that the Lord is committed to His people. That God is faithful to every generation. There, there is never a moment from Genesis to Revelation where our Lord is unfaithful. He's a covenant-keeping, promise-keeping God who is forever faithful. And Paul is telling them, listen, if I end up being executed, if I end up, my life is taken from me, and I don't see you again, here's what I know will be true. The Lord will continue to work in you and will finish the work that He has begun in you. The Spirit won't depart from you. His grace won't run out on you. So from your justification to your lifelong sanctification, growing up into Jesus, to your one day glorification, new heavens, new earth, face to face with Christ, from that entire sequence of your life, the Lord will be at work. He will be faithful. From when you receive the gospel until the day Christ returns or you see Him face to face. And that truth should bring us hope as we begin a new year together. It should bring us joy. It should bring us rest. It should bring us faith that the Lord is going to work in us and transform us in the months ahead. We never have to doubt that His grace is enough to save nor continue to transform us into a growing Christ-likeness. Paul is helping the Philippians and us get this wider angle view, kind of get a, the 30,000 foot view to say, 
here's the trajectory of your life. Here's the direction. Here's where the Lord is leading you. Any work the Lord begins, He will certainly finish. So as we continue in this posture that repents and believes the gospel day in and day out, the Lord will continue to grow us and make us more like, more like Jesus. The Lord never leaves a person half done. Praise God for that. He doesn't walk away from a person half done or nearly done. He finishes what He has begun in you, brother and sister. I see this in you, church family. This is one joy about being at a church over a long period of time is that you see the gospel transform someone's life, not just in their salvation, but their sanctification. I pray you see that in me as well as, as your pastor, that you see me growing up into Jesus. It's one beautiful thing about uh, walking with kids from birth until now in their 20s. You see the Lord faithfully at work in their lives through all the valleys and all the mountaintops. You see the faithfulness. I see the, the Lord's faithful work in your lives as well, whether I've just gotten to know you in the past couple of years or I've known you for nearly 20 years. The Lord is faithful and He's causing growth in us by His grace alone. The Father is continually shaping His sons and daughters in love for our good, for the good of those around us, and for His glory. Where is He at work in your life? Where are you resisting His loving chisel, if you will? Or where are you welcoming his work in your life, His loving handiwork. See, today is the day of repentance. May, may this year ahead and our individual lives, our life together as a church family be marked by this sweet spirit of humble repentance, this worship-filled trust in the Lord, trust in His ways, His Word, His wisdom. For in Christ, we've been given a, a heart of flesh, not of stone anymore. A stone resists. A heart of flesh is able to be molded by the grace of God. Gospel-centered spiritual growth is rooted in the truth of verse 6. Confidence that God's grace is enough to save, it's enough to sanctify, and it's enough to take us into glory. He didn't save you and then abandon you. And knowing these two pieces of joy-producing truth, that believers are partners in the gospel, and the Lord is faithful to finish what He has begun, it should lead us to this prayer for one another. Starting with those who we live with, our community groups, those who we serve with, let alone our church family. It should lead us to this, this prayerfulness with one another, believing these truths, that we are partners in, by grace, and, the, and by His grace alone, He is going to continue the work in us. So how and what is Paul praying for then? as they live together, as unfinished yet making progress by the grace of God, people. Verses 9-11. through 11. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I see four actions that Paul is praying will keep growing in their lives the first one is that their love for one another will keep growing and he's praying this for them knowing he, it's already happening in their relationships they're already loving him well he knows that they're already loving one another well and yet he knows the philippians haven't arrived yet they need to keep growing in love and not let a spirit of apathy or self-centeredness creep in because remember 
Their self-centered sin nature has been nailed to a cross, buried in a tomb. They're saints now in Christ Jesus, so they live differently. They love differently. Saints called to love. Paul knows that their love for one another is not, not just strengthening the church, nor just needed in times of suffering, but it's a testimony to the watching world that we reveal that we are disciples of Jesus when we love one another in the way of Christ. So may our love for one another keep on growing in the year ahead. Whether we have known one another for simply months or years, may we keep loving one another for the glory of God. May our love reflect the faithful, sacrificial, selfless love of Jesus. The second action, he's praying that their knowledge and every kind of discernment will keep growing. See, there's a danger in undiscerning love. If Paul had just stopped at the love, that their love will keep growing, abound more and more, we may be tempted to misinterpret that or put our own spin on that of what kind of love we're talking about. But when we're defining what love is, then we're going to get sideways. We need to allow the Scriptures to define to us what love really is. Knowledge and discernment help guard love from going places it was never intended to go. Love is a word that gets thrown around a lot in culture, and yet it's often implied that, for instance, love never calls wrong wrong. What is suggested is a kind of love that is detached from the example of Jesus, detached from the truth of scriptures, detached from spirit-led discernment. In 1 Corinthians 5, Paul actually rebukes the Corinthian church because they're unwilling to address someone in the church who was entrapped in sin and they justify their actions out of quote-unquote love. When in fact, that's not a Christ-like love. A Christ-like love goes to pursue, goes to engage, goes to speak the truth in love. It's a self-centered love to say, no, I'm fearful of that, I'm not going to do that. A Christ-like love is what we're after. That's what he's praying would keep growing. What Paul's praying for here in chapter 1 is not a blind love that will keep growing, or the sentimental feeling, but a love that is anchored to the person of Jesus, a love that leads to faith-filled action. We love because He first loved us. So He is our example. We see this in His life and ministry, that He is the fullness of grace and truth. He ate with and shared meals with the ungodly, but He also still called the sinner to repent and leave their life of sin and walk toward freedom in Christ. It was a love that, that fed the hungry, and serve the poor and welcome the sinner to the table. It was also a love that was willing to confront sin, not in a spirit of self-righteous Pharisee, but in a spirit that longed for repentance and restoration. A Christ-like love is a love that is able to approve the things that are superior. A love that is actually able to distinguish, distinguish between right and wrong and discerning based upon the Word of God and not feelings or the opinions of others or the flow of culture. May our discernment for, for what is true and what is false, may that grow in the year ahead. And may it be shaped by the truth of God's Word alone. The third action Paul is praying for is that their Christ-likeness will keep growing, that they will be pure and blameless in the day of Christ. One idea of the word pure there in the Greek means to whirl around, around and around as if, as if in a sieve or sifting out the impurities. So coming out of the Christmas season, I've seen my wife do this multiple times with flour, 
with powdered sugar. It's like taking flour, for instance, shaking it through the sieve, and what gets left is the clumps. What comes out is the pure pure flour, pure powdered sugar. So Paul is praying that in an ongoing way, the, the people would welcome the sanctifying sifting in their life. In a lifelong way, we'd be praying for one another, Lord, continue to sift my heart and my life and test me. See if there's any offensive way in me and, and leave that behind. Let that clump sit behind. In the rearview mirror, I'm going to strain toward what is ahead by the grace of God. Lead me in the way everlasting. This is what we should be welcoming. So as we turn the calendar, what are clumps of sin and selfishness from 21 that the Lord has been sifting and calling you to repent of, leave behind, turn from? What are the impurities that are clouding up your vision for who He is and who we are in Him? We all have them. And if we are unaware or blind to them, if we can't come up with answers of clumps that need to be left behind, then we need to ask a trusted brother or sister in Christ who will speak the truth in love to us. So he calls them a saint in the beginning. And that's what we are. The moment of salvation, this position of being holy in Christ. And at the same time, he's praying, keep growing in holiness. Out of that identity, keep growing up in Christ's likeness. Keep living out that, that identity of being a saint in Jesus and not living out that old creation identity that is rooted in self and sin. So may we be quick and consistent to respond to the grace of God, the voice of the Spirit of truth in our lives. May we walk and live in response to who we already are in Jesus, holy and righteous by grace alone. May we grow up into Jesus in the months ahead. The last action that Paul is praying that would keep growing is that their fruit Spiritual fruit would keep growing. He says it's the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. This, this reminder that fruit, meaning the outward evidence of our inward faith, comes not through natural means. It doesn't come with us kind of willing it to happen. But it comes through our humility, our humble dependence upon the Spirit. So when Jesus talks of bearing fruit in John 15, he says we'll bear fruit when we abide in Him. Disconnected from Him, when we don't remain in Him, when we try to abide in ourselves, we bear no fruit. But we abide in Him when we remain connected to Him as the true vine, we bear fruit. Or in Galatians 5, it says we'll bear the fruit of the Spirit, not of self, but the fruit of the Spirit, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control when we depend upon the Spirit. When we are led by the Spirit, filled by the Spirit. So from the beginning of this letter, Paul's reminding them, your identity is new now, Philippians. Your roots have been made new in Christ. When the roots have been changed from self to spirit, the outward life looks differently. When you move from heart of stone to heart of flesh, the roots have changed. The outward fruit will change as well. It gives outward evidence to a watching world as well as those closest to us. Inwardly, I'm being transformed. I'm being changed. Brothers and sisters, you and I are partners in the gospel. Making progress by the grace of God. A forever faithful God who will finish what He has begun in you. So may we grow in this dependent prayerfulness for one another. 
May we keep on growing up into Jesus and that our lives would glorify Him for our good, for the good of those around us, and for His glory. Before we return to worship, we're going to respond to the Lord's Word through communion first. And I've left extra time for us to have some extra time for us just to pray. And I'm hopeful that the next three Sundays we'll have an opportunity to have even just a handful of minutes for us to pray uh, since we're talking about this call to prayer, a call to prayerfulness in the year ahead. If you're a believer in Christ, you're welcome to take communion. Our first impressions team will begin uh, passing out the trays and you just need to take one cup, the wafers on the top and the cup of juice is at the bottom of it. But after you get the cup and bread, I'd encourage you to spend the next couple minutes in prayerful response with someone around you. So actually praying out loud with someone around you or maybe just by yourselves. Feel free to get up if you need to, want to. But let's respond to the Spirit this morning in our gathering to spend additional time praying for one another. What's the Lord said to you through His Word? What's the Lord calling you to faith-filled repentance and action in the year ahead? As you hold these elements in your hands, you are holding a symbol of good news in your life. That Jesus Christ, the righteous one, through his broken body and his shed blood, died for you so that we could find life in him. And so so that we could be a blessing to the world around us as we grow up into Jesus. So as we hold these elements, as we have time to pray, let's pray that our love will keep on growing in the year ahead, our love for one another that our knowledge and every kind of discernment will keep growing, that our Christ-likeness will keep growing in the fruit of righteousness, not the fruit of Dave or Heather or fill in the blank of your name, not the fruit of us, but the fruit of the Spirit, that the fruit of Jesus Christ, the fruit of righteousness would keep on growing up in our lives for His glory alone. The Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat the bread. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink the juice. Lord, I am grateful for the faith family, this local church that by your grace you've allowed my household to be a part of for many years. I thank you for these fellow partners in the grace of the gospel. That you brought us together and we are no longer defined by our past or defined by earthly reasons. We are defined by our shared identity in Christ. And God, we give you praise that you are faithful to finish what you've begun in us. We've seen evidence of that not only in your scriptures, but in our personal lives and the life of this church. And we pray in the year ahead that we would see answers to prayer and your faithfulness abound. We pray that that you would cause our love for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ to keep on growing. That our knowledge and every kind of discernment would keep on growing. That our Christ-likeness would keep on growing. That the fruit of righteousness, the fruit of the Spirit would keep on growing up in our lives for our good and for your glory. We want your name exalted through our words and our way of life in the year ahead. 
We trust you. We depend upon you. Give us a, a sweet spirit of humble prayerfulness and awareness of your presence in all that we do in the year ahead. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Jesus says this in John 15. Remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, the one who remains in me, and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. I pray that we would be a people who would abide in the Lord and that a year out from now, a week out from now, six months, we would be able to say, here's the fruit of righteousness growing up because of our dependence upon the Lord and our prayerfulness with and for one another.